0: The power of more from Brockmeyer and Salo. Innovation Thinking.
1: Today's episode is about the metaverse, the interesting virtual world environment everybody is speaking about. Before we get our guest into the conversation, I would like to introduce the co host of the podcast, Mr. Dieter Brockmeyer, the innovation expert at the Diplomatic World Institute. Hello, Dieter.
2: I'm fine. You didn't ask this time, so I'll say it anyway. And uh, yeah, very happy to have Alina here. Um, And I like the concept of less media. We have the power of more, and she um, is promoting less media in the metaverse. So, It will be a great talk, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, Alina Mikaleva. Thank you very much for joining us today. How are you, Alina?
0: Thank you for your kind invitation. I'm very happy to be here.
1: Please tell us about your view of the metaverse. What is going on?
0: Well, first of all, the metaverse is on the peak of hype. So we're all discussing it, but um, there are not so many people, I would say, that have experienced metaverse. And that's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a very practical perspective of experiencing something directly. And therefore, for the last two years, uh, since the start of the pandemic especially, um, I've been uh, very much involved in the social VR field. So you can say that I go to work in the metaverse for the last two years. And therefore, I um, see front... um, and center uh, that the metaverse is not there yet. Uh, we are only discussing the future concepts of the metaverse. And what we're currently experiencing is um, uh, kind of the development of the new form of the communication, which is virtual communication. And this is the field that interests me the most at, at this moment in time.
1: You just mentioned it. You go to work in the metaverse. How cool is that? What is actually your job or what's the name of your company?
0: Uh, My company is called Last Media Group. Uh, I started a new company right before the pandemic with a little bit of a different vision, but the world nowadays um, kind of doesn't allow us to plan uh, a lot of things in advance, I would say, because in the recent years, uh, I think that we've experienced a lot of turbulence, which is leading just to uh, new concepts being born. So last Media for me was born from my experience of working in media and in virtual reality for over Uh, 15 years now um, and uh, my understanding that our reality is very much formed uh, by what we uh, surround ourselves with and it's not only about physical reality but it's very much about the media and therefore less media is coming from the understanding that the media industry as it was developing became the biggest source of pollution for our brains and therefore it became a very direct Um, impact on our realities. It's it's not something theoretical that we are consuming and it's not impacting us. Uh, I believe that it's impacting us on a very deep level. Therefore, um, I was interested in uh, developing and um, working with media that are not creating the pollution or at least not intending to create the pollution. Uh, um, And for me, virtual reality, since about 2013, uh, when I started working with this technology, is the deepest form of interaction with media content that we have encountered. It's still very early days. And uh, I just want to make sure that when this technology is developed, it doesn't become the same pollution for our minds that the current state of the media that we see.
2: Well, when I first met Alina, uh, in 2016 it was, uh, you had uh, classes with you and one of my first immersive experiences was uh, one of the, the projects you were doing and it was quite impressive. We were we were in the lounge and uh, <laughs> and just acting with these classes um, on. So this was really uh, already very impressive then and we're a little bit further but still, there's a lot of limitations we are, we are still faced with. Uh, you can't touch things, you can't taste things, you, you can't smell things. You can get close to it by, by, by certain tricks and gadgets, but they are very complex and nobody can have that in their houses. So uh, I think we still have to accept that the metaverse, for the time being, is still a limited experience.
0: Well, first of all, I, I want uh, to highlight that at the current stage of the technology, no one is seeing metaverse as um, uh, the te- uh, kind of the, the field that would be connected with virtual reality. Virtual reality is just one of the technologies that is allowing uh, the deepest uh, interaction with the metaverse and with digital realities, if you want. Uh, and uh, it's it's creating the most immersive experience, but all the current platforms that are existing and each one of them is claiming that it is the metaverse. But in reality, uh, those are just uh, separate uh, divided platforms that people can visit and interact. Most of them are oriented uh, at attracting the users that are accessing those digital realities through standard devices that we use, um, through laptops, uh, da- in desktop mode, um, and through um, phones. So uh, it's not a kind of um, demanding that you need a VR headset. Um, but To be honest, uh, from my experience um, working in the virtual field, it is a very big um, difference when you have your body um, in virtual reality where you have your hands and you can interact uh, with those hands um, with other participants and other users. It really makes a very big difference for your brain uh, and it, it is much faster Uh, tricking you to believe that you're actually present in this virtual world together with other people because i think that what we need to understand that we're really um on this um kind of track to develop the new form of communication the new digital form of communication we've been doing that for for quite a long time uh, since the the invention of um telephone and internet etc but it's more about bringing our bodies into these realities. So um, you ask what is metaverse. Um, I think that, uh, of course, Mark Zuckerberg uh, made a very big move and attracted a lot of attention with his renaming of the company and and, and exciting a lot of people uh, about the metaverse. Um, And I actually like um, his description of the metaverse uh, as a very simple one let's just imagine that there is internet where we can have our bodies. And for me, this is the core difference of of the metaverse and metaverse interactions compared to our standard uh, kind of virtual interactions today. Because we cannot go to uh, uh, to, um, Zoom to dance together we don't go to internet currently, uh, to, um, kind of be in a shared environment and do something together. So this is something as a concept that metaverse would change because you would be able to go there for a dance party. And it's not the future. It is actually the reality. So People are meeting in those virtual environments with headsets or without. But if they do have a headset and if, for example, they do have additional tracking equipment, they are, there are ballet, um, ballet uh, dancing classes that are taught in VR already today. Uh, And it's very interesting to see.
1: So belly dancing or not, or dancing at all, I don't understand why people calling it a virtual reality. Don't we only have one reality of the human mankind? So why are we using the word virtual?
0: Uh, I think that for uh, it's actually a very good question, because um, from less media perspective, and from my interest in philosophy and philosophy of consciousness, and neuroscience, I absolutely believe that we do have one reality. And actually, there is no such thing as artificial experience, right? Um, Just because if you experience something, doesn't matter whether it's real reality or virtual reality, it becomes your experience. It becomes essential to what your feelings are. And actually, um, um, I've heard quite a lot of feedback um, because for the uh, several years now, we've been, especially during the pandemic, we've been also trying to uh, distribute the best narrative VR works um, for, to, to extend the audience who can experience this technology, but quality content, not just some roller coasters, but very good quality um, narrative storytelling. Uh, and, and very often feedback was that I still remember this journey going to this virtual world and experiencing something with, uh, with other characters. And for people, it becomes closer to the memory uh and that's why this technology potentially is so strong, because uh in the current form it's a passive consumption when we are just consuming the content on the screen and we're constantly scrolling through um through our newsfeed, uh which brought down our attention cycle to just a couple of seconds. Where in virtual reality, it's closer to the decision to go somewhere to go to the museum, to go to experience something, and therefore it stays with you for much longer. So this difference is uh, very much kind of profound in terms of how it's changing the impact that it's creating. But I am uh, very far from believing that technology can be good or bad. It's always the people who make it either good or bad. And therefore, with this power to really... Make us present in some uh, different environment together with other people, it is also bringing a lot of dangers at the same time if it's not used in the right way.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I'm actually asking now for a favor or for a free consulting lesson. If I would like to make a conference in the virtual reality environment, what would be your recommendations?
0: Uh, Well, first of all, the recommendation right now would be to prepare for a learning curve, because uh, for the last two years, and I do expect that it will go for at least another five, 10 years, to be honest, uh, we are the, the, the most uh, common thing that we are doing is we are teaching VR. And uh, that's actually very Interesting uh, topic as well, because our expectations from those technological leaps, because we're always promised that something new is coming um, in, in reality, from my experience, new technology is not appearing from. Uh, From scratch, Uh, it always goes in waves of the development. So, if you feel that uh, you have discovered something absolutely new, probably turn around and you will see people who have been in this field for 20, 30 years or even more. Uh, The same thing with virtual reality. Uh, But we are expecting that uh, with any new technology, we just go there, pick up the phone, and we are uh, set to understand it immediately. And if we don't like it in the first five seconds of experience, then it doesn't work. So virtual reality is quite different. Prepare that you would need to learn how to VR before you actually can understand VR. And uh, I'm very happy that right now, more and more scientific research starts to confirm this point because just last year, um, Stanford University held first... um, kind of class totally and kind of taught in virtual reality. They used Oculus uh, Quest 2 headset, uh, the game changer in our industry and the most popular consumer headset at the moment. Um, It was about 150 students. Mostly they used Engage VR platform. This is the platform that um, my team and I work with uh, supporting their virtual events. And uh, they, uh, they were teaching the class called Virtual People. So it was three months of nonstop interaction. They were meeting regularly for classes. And then after each class, they were measuring their, the level of um, experience, comfort, um, and reaction of the students. So the um, research is kind of still ongoing and a lot of papers are still in development. But the first results that they're starting to publish in peer-to-peer reviewed paper is that the level of enjoyment, comfort, understanding, and all uh, those um, kind of um, things that they were measuring were increasing and growing as the time was um, kind of continuing, right? So from the first class, the level of discomfort uh, was higher. Uh, The level of joy was lower. But as they were getting more comfortable with the technology, this trend was changing and people were enjoying it more and more and more. Is From it, my is experience, it, yeah.
1: Is it a training effect? Is it that you get used to it? Or does something in your brain happen that you can handle it better?
0: Your brain needs to adjust. And we need to give our brain some time to adjust to virtual reality. There is a lot of conversation and it's absolutely true that Some people experience motion sickness and cyber sickness in virtual reality. This is absolutely natural reaction of the brain. And actually, a lot of people, uh, about 30%, uh, definitely experience that. But first of all, there are quite a lot of research already that is showing what specific techniques are triggering This motion sickness. For example, if you are moving in virtual reality and at the same time your body is not moving, our brain starts to signal us that actually something is wrong. Um, That's not supposed to happen because my body is uh, not moving, but the image is moving. However, if you give yourself some time to adjust in about three, four sessions, you would not feel this discomfort. We see that in about, if you spend 10 hours overall in virtual reality, doing different activities, that really brings your level of comfort um, to the to, to the stage where you can spend a couple of hours easily interacting in virtual reality.
2: I just uh, try to see myself in, uh, in virtual reality. And I always, when I made the experience, uh, it was always, l- surrounded with a lot of gadgets, so, I, so, so somebody was pretending to be an ex swinging in the door to, to give the, the life experience. Uh, it's hard to imagine the, 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 being in the metaverse just looking on a regular without any glasses and any gadgets because I think it's just it's not a much different experience to me uh, than uh, being in, the, um, in a Zoom call. Uh, And uh, so I really see, uh, think, what is the extra benefit of going into the metaverse when I don't have uh, the gadgets?
0: Um, I think that the, the, you, you pointed a very important thing uh, about uh, Metaverse not being very different from Zoom. Actually, especially with the beginning of uh, pandemic, uh, there was quite a lot of conversation uh, and research. Um, also from, for example, Jeremy Bailenson, who is the one of the lead researchers in Stanford University. He is leading Virtual Human Interaction Lab. So he wrote several articles on Zoom fatigue and compared that to virtual communication, right? So what happens when we are on Zoom? Uh, We actually are constantly looking at each other, but uh, when even uh, we're present in one conference room we're not constantly looking at the speaker our uh, gaze is not locked uh, 100% looking at each other because actually uh, they were measuring how far away we are kind of when we're looking at, at each other in zoom it is kind of close to standing uh, um quite close to each other in the elevator we don't look at each other in the elevator because it's not the most comfortable experience uh, we actually look down or uh, uh, if we're attending a conference we look at the speaker but then we also gaze at other people uh, we're processing and and we're thinking in a different way in zoom we have to stare at each other for sometimes hours and hours and hours a day it is quite an uncomfortable experience and it is not giving us in any way sense of presence in one shared space so it is activating only one uh, if you want a um, way of communicating, which is uh, verbal communication. So you can hear what I'm saying and I can hear what you're saying and we uh, get our facial expressions. This is quite a lot, but at the same time, we completely disconnecting our bodies from the experience. So in a shared virtual space, especially if we have um, things like virtual headset and hand tracking that is bringing our bodies we can walk around together, we can shake hands, we can high five. And uh, for, I had my own personal experiences where I had virtual meetings, where I was completely surprised how much our body language is telling us because in in, in virtual reality or in, in metaverse and in different platforms at the moment, you do have avatars, So you do have your representation of yourself in the virtual world. And there is a lot of conversation about what are the avatars? How are they representing us? Do they need to be realistic? Do they on uh, on a different side need to be completely abstract? And at the moment, different platforms targeted at different audiences are developing all the offerings you can be a hot dog you can be a, a, an anime um, persona you can be a fictional character or you can be as real to being a human even upload your own image to your avatar and be a human looking avatar so that's your representation and for example we had a meeting where we were in a virtual meeting room just standard setup we had a table and, uh, at this table, we were sitting across uh, from each other with two uh, teams that were having negotiations. And I was absolutely surprised because you can almost feel the tension that was happening in the room because, uh, we were not agreeing on some things and you can absolutely feel that I don't see a person's face, but the voice and body movements, or giving me so much information that I could absolutely understand what is the energy in the room. Yeah. And the energy was tension.
1: Absolutely. That's super interesting.
0: It's it's a question that we don't understand enough about our perceptions and how how we analyze information. Do we need particularly to see person's face? It's giving us a lot of information. But my kind of i'm coming from my experience understanding that our bodies are very important for our communication and we are kind of coming closer to experiencing what would be if we can interact having our bodies in the virtual spaces
1: Interesting. I mean, I think it's also nice that you can completely eliminate the the physics of the world. I'm speaking about teleporting, hovering, flying, whatever. Um, also, a, quite a challenge for the world. So, but now a practical question: Your company is actually called Less Media Group. Why is it called Less?
0: Because I do believe that uh, we definitely need. Um, less less media uh, in the world. Uh, the company was founded in two, early 2020. And um, the, the whole purpose was to develop deeper experiences for clients and for brands and for audiences. Because uh, in my previous um, 15 years working in media, Um, uh, mostly in broadcast television but also i witnessed firsthand the hype of youtube and then facebook and then instagram and then the first platform was was feeling that that's it in 2007 or 8 youtube is the place to be that's the future but then when every year at a media conference you start having new future, <laughs> you understand that, hold on a second, Some, something is wrong here. <laughs> uh, um,
1: so there's really an inflationary tendency.
0: Exactly. So And, and at the same time, uh, already starting maybe 2012, 13, I was also seeing this trend of um, the more communication, the more information we have, the less we are capable of communicating between each other. Because people are basically stopping having conversations where they can have different points of view and at the same time they can understand each other. Because broadcast television uh, started to become um, an argument television. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's not about the people. It's not only about that some people are evil or some people are doing propaganda or others are not. It's about the format that kind of makes you follow those steps. If your purpose of creating content is that this content needs to hack my brain and keep my attention for as long as it can, it's not a healthy Pattern. I do not want to consume the content that is targeted and built against my cognitive capacities. So uh, it is this fight that we're in with social media, with platforms, where they are intentionally built by very smart people that have developed those algorithms that are more powerful than we can imagine because they absolutely 100% know what interests me right now. Maybe I'm trying to concentrate on on the paper and I'm struggling to keep my attention because my brain is, uh, I'm tired. I had a long day. And this algorithm would definitely know that I'm interested in, in, in the next yoga retreat in Portugal. It's just a question, for me, it was a question, how do we change that? And the answer, because I've been in interactive media for quite long, is by changing the level of interaction from passive consumption to actually participating in the content. Because you cannot passively participate. And that's the biggest difference.
1: Where do you think we will be in five years when it comes to the topic of virtual reality?
0: Um, Well, yeah. we are pretty much um, (laughs) probably in the same in the same place in a very experimental stage. I am not expecting that uh, virtual communication will um, replace anything or drastically change anything in the next five years. Um, I do not believe that um, technologies there are a lot of things and a lot of iterations from the technological standpoint, from the hardware standpoint, from uh, connectivity, uh, because Wi-Fi is too slow for, for, for virtual communications at the moment. Headsets are still too heavy. and um, There are a lot of limitations that, and, and there are several generations of technological development that needs to happen. But at the same time, I do understand that, Virtual communication is inevitable. Just because, even looking at my life, it's bringing so many economical benefits that it will be developing. I am suggesting to look not how would your next virtual conference look, but what this virtual workspace can change in your life. So, for example, let's imagine that for the last 150 years and even more, people were coming to very crowded, populated cities to find their jobs, to become successful, to be in the center where things are happening. Let's imagine that now things are happening virtually. I can be sitting with a view of the ocean, put on my headset and go to the conference with Stanford University or Oxford University how does it change our world I'm not spending time for the commute I don't need to pay high rent for staying in a small apartment in in New York Um, but at the same time I get the benefits of being with the people that I want to be or consuming the content that I want to consume so that's the biggest social change I think that we will see, and, and hopefully, it will bring a lot more freedom and flexibility to people.
2: Well, we sure are in an experimental phase, and it will go on for quite a long time. It will be a very interesting journey, I hope. For some, it also will be a disturbing, um, a disturbing journey, but uh, we have to live with it. And I think if we really handle it the right way, and that's with all innovation. Uh, it will, be a, it will open a bright future, but we have to be aware of the risks, too.
1: Thank you, Dieter Brockmeier. We were speaking to Alina Mikaleva. She is the founder and CEO of Less Media Group. We were talking about the metaverse, the opportunities and challenges of modern virtual life. Thank you very much, Alina, for the really interesting conversation.
0: Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. 2. The power of more from Brockmeyer and Zalo. Innovation thinking.